This audio production is brought to you by TheBestDayEver.com, David Wolf's premium longevity member site. Greetings, everyone. This is David Avocado Wolf, and I have Dr. Jameis Sheridan with me today. We're going to be doing an interview together. Dr. Jameis Sheridan is a doctor of holistic medicine, naturopath. He's a hardcore natural medicine researcher, and and those are his words. He loves using that word hardcore because he is into this. He's one of the early pioneers of the vegan, organic, holistic, and raw food movements. As of 2011, he has immersed himself into holistic health for a total of 27 years, veganism for 25 years, and raw foods for 24 years. He's a ceaseless researcher, experimenter, and inventor. Probably Dr. Sheridan is best known for his work as the co-founder of Health Force Nutritionals, which has become one of the premier superfood and alternative medicine companies in the world over the last 20 years. Health Force provides extreme quality and value based on biocompatible nutritional superfoods. These foods are in different formulas that Dr. Sheridan has been put out into the market in glass. Vitamin Mineral Green is a famous one, Vitamin Mineral Earth, Health Force Healing Cleanses, and, and so many more interesting superfood products. I've known Dr. Jameis Sheridan for about 16 or 17 years. We met back in, I believe, 1995, and I have known that Dr. Sheridan is really, really committed to putting out the best darn products that anybody else could even imagine out there. I mean, he is really, really a dedicated researcher and a quality supplier of superfoods. So with no further ado, I'd like to welcome now Dr. Jameis Sheridan. How are you doing, Jameis? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Great to hear from you. We haven't spoken in person in, in a few years, and we used to talk a lot more. I want to just kind of bring you I want to bring you into kind of the foray of what's happening in raw foods right now. There's a, there's a new wave coming in right now, a lot of new people, and a lot of people have gotten kind of pulled into the fruitarian diet and the kind of the 80-10-10 diet, and they say supplements and superfoods are useless, you don't need them. Based on your 25 years of experience, Dr. Sheridan, what do you say to that? I'd like to say first, because there's always positives and negatives to things. Fruitarianism was something that I experienced explored early on. It's something that uh, I know you also explored early on, Dave, at least, at least primarily. There's, there's such a draw, there's such a lure to fruitarianism. It seems so natural, so spiritual, so beautiful. And you just go up to a, to a tree, you, you, you water it, you, you nourish it, you love it, and when it's ready, when it's food, fruit is perfectly ripe, it, just, it virtually falls off into your hand. You're not killing anything. The tree lives on. Huge amount of antioxidants in fruit. Um, they're very cleansing. There's a lot of other nutrients. A lot of boron actually is one of the unique things you find in fruits because they're not normally very high in minerals. And fruit tastes great and it feels great. But there's a but here. If man or woman tries to live on fruit alone, I have personally never seen a long-term fruitarian who truly is a fruitarian who is healthy, completely healthy, or is without significant health problems. And I've been doing the raw foods hardcore 24, 25 years, deeply into meeting so many people doing this. I've never seen someone who's vibrantly healthy after a couple of years doing fruitarianism. I wish that were the case. Uh, in my case, I started getting bladder infections and rotted out several of my teeth. Um, other aspects of my life were going fine, and I've seen 
fruitarianism actually turned people into junk food eaters or back into meat eaters because fruit has so much sugar in it. By comparison, so little protein and so little fat, so little fatty acids that people start craving salt. They start craving protein. They start craving fatty acids. And if they don't allow themselves to do things like flax seeds, flaxseed oil, um, even some hemp seeds, some chia seeds, whether it be Celtic sea salt or seaweeds for both the salt and minerals or other healthful whole vegan foods, they will end up going too often to the other end of the spectrum, which means they want something that's naturally high in protein and high in salt. And if they're not doing it with other, let's say, vegetable foods that aren't fruit, well, they're going to crave blood. And that's exactly what they're going to do is they're going to start eating foods with blood in them because blood is salty. Whenever we're a kid, we lick our wounds, we notice that salty taste. So they're going to start to eat animal products. If they're looking for essential fatty acids, they're probably going to be going to eating fish. A little bit of flax seeds or flaxseed oil with some Celtic sea salt on it will solve that. Say, Dr. Sheridan, that somebody does eat a little bit of fat, they eat a little bit of vegetables, so they're not 100% fruitarian. Mm-hmm. But they're poo-pooing superfoods and supplements. Oh, you don't need that. It's it's useless. That kind of stuff. I mean, your experience with superfoods is vast. It's it's as deep as anybody in the world. What, what do you think about that? Okay, when I, when I was a fruitarian, I was taught the philosophy of fruitarianism, which is the difference in the science. Now, I agree that there's some body types that could do relatively well with uh, the diet you talked about: some fat, some greens, some other things. I was taught that all supplements, superfoods, herbs were all potions, elixirs, and magic pills. They were, they were just absolute garbage, whereas um, isolated iron, inorganic iron, which, which can have uh, creates free radicals, it can create heart attacks, it actually can kill you if you take enough of it, was in the same boat as fresh wheatgrass as a superfood, was in the same boat as spirulina, as klamath algae, which are whole foods. And when I asked these esteemed leaders in that time, either natural hygiene community or fruitarian community, either back long ago or since, say, well, what is the problem with wheatgrass juice? Why is this not good for you? This unbelievably alkalizing, energizing food that uh, it has way more minerals than fruit. It helps to balance blood sugar. It's just cleansing. It's detoxifying. It's just magnificent for you. And that could apply to to dandelion greens, to, to nettles, to anything. They say, well, you wouldn't go out in a state of nature and chew on grass and eat it. I'm like, well, what about all these other benefits? Well, you wouldn't go out and chew it in a state of nature. There was no good reason. The same thing with all the allergies. I talk about the immense benefits of the allergies. We'll get into those later about radiation protection, about muscle building, about immune support, about allergies relief, so many different things. And the, the response I got was, you wouldn't go out in a state of nature and scoop up pond scum and eat it. And I got that for every single thing I asked about. And I was not satisfied with that answer because that wasn't an answer. And the fact is, Cultures for thousands of years have gone up to lakes where spirulina has grown, where klamath algae has grown, and where chlorella has grown, and scooped it out, dried it on rocks, made bricks out of it, eaten it, given it to their distance runners under the warriors for strength and endurance. They've done exactly that. Um, in every culture of the world, the, the oldest culture we know of is the Asian Chinese culture, and we have records going back thousands of years that they use these plants or vegetables, whatever you want to call them, which we now call superfoods or herbs, to heal from so many different maladies, just like fruits. You can ascribe so many benefits to certain fruits. Bananas have potassium in it. Bananas are, are helpful to lower blood pressure if you're having too much sodium. So is that a medicinal benefit to bananas that they lower blood pressure? But if we say that an herb like milk thistle seeds, which is just, it's just a seed, it's just a food, that that helps to regenerate the liver, 
it scares people into preparing. Like it's a supplement. It's something outside of yourself. And these natural foods that we're talking about, herbs, superfoods, they have nothing to do with an isolated vitamin A, which can kill you if you take enough of it. It's, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and it's not a fair comparison. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The extremism, it, it is part of the early stages of getting to this raw food scene I, because it's so appealing, as you eloquently described, to our, our higher state of consciousness. It seems so perfect, so clean. But then, as you've learned and I've learned, a different level, a different devil. You know, you go to another level, you've yeah. got to be more careful. You've got to, you've got to be aware. So let's, now let's go back, let's go to physiology now. Um, yeah. you know, you're, you're obviously a huge supporter of veganism and raw foods and superfoods. Yes. And, you know, we're in a community right now where we're, we're having a huge amount of people who are coming in who, you know, aren't on the fruitarian thing. They're, they're really open. They want to know, like, how to heal themselves. And we're dealing with a lot of different people coming in with disease conditions. Um, Let's get into tissue cleansing a little bit, which I, I know you're an expert on. There's a lot of doctors and health professionals who claim that most disease begins in the colon. Do you agree with this, and if so, why? And, and how do we clean our tissue? How do we actually kind of soap ourselves up on the inside and wash ourselves clean over time? Well, I'll say that I, I half believe that. And the reason I half believe it is so many things are the baby with the bathwater. It's an all or nothing. I'd say the reason I half agree with it is because – I think the primary thing that makes people sick, and there's a lot of factors, this is not the only factor, but the primary factor is what you eat. And what you eat, virtually all of it goes into your colon. So I'd, I'd say, yes, halfway, all disease does begin in the colon. Let's say, let's say we're, we want to clean our colon, and you're an yes. expert on cleansing. You're yeah, one of the leading experts probably in the world on colon cleansing. What, what do we do? Like, let's say I'm new, I come into this, well, you know, what the heck am I going to do about my colon? How do I clean my colon out? Well, there's two, there's two strategies. One is just through food and what you eat, and then the, the second is through a general cleanse. And I want to give you some new people just an example to understand why is this so important. And we're all familiar with, with sewers or outhouses or other things that smell really bad that have human waste in it or just rotting flesh. And has anyone ever wanted to go over to a sewer or an outhouse and just kind of, you know, waft the bouquet of it? It's, it's not normally something you want to do, like you want to smell a flower or something. Has anyone ever wanted to just like uh, splash some of that on their face? Probably not. And what about dip, dipping a mug in there and just swigging some down? Just pounding it down, pounding down some sewer water. Bring it on. We are repulsed by that. But I want everybody to understand that if you have a toxic colon and if you have food, even the healthiest food, rotting and putrefying in your colon, if it's going through the compost process in your colon rather than outside in nature, you are eating the sewer, you are literally consuming the sewer because you're absorbing that through the colon walls. You're absorbing that sewer material. Same thing as eating a sewer. So you want to make sure this material doesn't get stuck in there, it doesn't rot and putrefy, and it gets out. One of the main things you can do is make sure you have a sufficient amount of fiber in your diet. I'm not talking about taking a little bit of Metamucil or eating a, a fruit or a salad here or there. You've got to predominate your diet. Now, I know there's lots of different uh, debates and healthy debates within alternative and non-alternative medicine about what we should eat. Should we be vegan? Should we be not? But everybody agrees you need to have a large percentage of fiber in your diet, and the only place you get fiber from is whole plant foods. You don't get it from animal products. You don't get it from anywhere else. So make sure you have a huge amount of whole plant foods. In this case, the vegetable plant foods are going to be even better than the fruit whole plant foods for fiber, but the fruits are, are great. Other thing you want to do is, is not have a lot of animal products, which are going to clog up your colon and they're completely fiberless, and to a much lesser extent, let's talk about the opposite of maybe someone who's eating a fruitarian. If someone is a 
nut and seed area, or they're eating massive amounts of nuts and seeds and or nut and seed butters, they can kind of be difficult to move through the colon. So someone who's on even a much healthier path, they would might want to check into limiting that. If you're eating animal products or other junk, don't worry about the amount of nuts and seeds you have because they're a huge upgrade, and they are superfoods in their own right in certain quantities. Now, regardless of who you are, if you want to clean out your colon, there's so many different ways to do that, and there's not just one good way. But there's some colon cleansing things on the market that are just wimpy. Since cleansing has become popular and since colon cleansing programs alone have helped people achieve magnificent health, they've helped people overcome what previously were thought of to be incurable chronic diseases just from doing intensive colon cleansing programs alone. That has gotten diluted down today to these little boxes for 20 or $30. It's a complete 30-day cleanse. No one overcame any disease on those little tiny cleanses. So now I'll tell you what it's not, but let me tell you what I suggest you do. So two good cleanses out there, and I've tried to take what the best things from uh, V.E. Irons, from Bernard Jensen, from Rich Anderson, from so many other people that had great success with cleanses and update it and refine it. Just like at some point when I've moved on and left my body, I hope someone will not have a temple built to me and say, well, here's what Jameis did back in, you know, 2020, 2100, whatever. Now it's 100 years later, 50 years later. I think we can do better than he would. And you know what? I'd be doing better than I would in 50 years or whatever. Even in a year, I want to be better than I am now. So I've tried to take that to the next level. You've got to make sure you pull out the material in your colon, and some of this will actually stick to the colon walls. Now, I have a different belief. We've heard of hardened mucoid fecal plaque, which is something introduced in colon cleanses, and you see that in colon cleansing books. You see this, this ropey, gross material uh, several feet long that allegedly was stuck in people's intestines that came out of it, and people bang it against walls, and they hang it up, and it doesn't go down. You're like, oh, my God, that was in my body. I consider that a half-truth when, when they do uh, you know, autopsies. They, they cut open the tissue, and I've talked to many of them and say, you know what, we're not seeing all this hardened mucoid fecal plaque. We're seeing disgusting feces in here, gross, horrendous. We're seeing diverticuli pockets, other things. We're not seeing this you know, two-inch lining of the intestine. But what we are seeing is a, almost like a cholesterol, a white cholesterol crusting of the intestines. Your villi become encrusted basically with cholesterol and other saturated fats, other, other free radicals that damage the villi of your intestines. And it, it basically gets artery placking on your intestines. And you've got to remove that artery placking on your intestines. And what will do that is very strong fibers. You can either use things like psyllium husk, um, which bulks up, things like bentonite and zeolite, which pull toxic materials in. Or I've actually moved on from psyllium to the next level, which I consider things like slippery elm and marshmallow root, which don't bulk up nearly as much as psyllium. But they also don't constipate and irritate. Psyllium was wonderful, and if that's all you've got, it's magnificent, but there's a whole other level. And I put that together with zeolite and bentonite and charcoal and a few other things in something called the intest- uh, Health Force Intestinal Drawing Formula. It, it bulks less, but it sucks a lot harder, meaning it sucks this material into you. Now, I want to make sure I clarify what that ropey material is that these people are getting out. When you go on a cleanse and get this ropey, hardened mucoid fecal material out, you're doing psyllium and bentonite shakes several times a day. Psyllium blows up huge. So what you're passing, the majority of what you're passing is psyllium and bentonite mass that went through your body. So if you, if you added up all the volume of psyllium and bentonite mass, you passed, let's say, on a two-week or a one-month cleanse, it would be bigger than your body. It would take up several times the body cavity. So obviously all that wasn't in you. In you. But the ropey, gross, green mucus, the, 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 the green bile, gross 
hardened pieces that might have been in the diverticuli pocket of the intestines, an occasional crayon or other things you ate when you were five that came out, that's not part of the selenium bentonite mass. What's sucked into that selenium bentonite mass is horrible toxins that you can just relieve your body from, and your whole overall health is dramatically enhanced by doing that. I've got a whole health force healing cleanse that uh, there's three levels, level one, level two, level three, that lays it out easily of how people can start cleansing this material out of their body. Now, let's talk about that cleanse, the one, two, three. Is, it, is level one for beginners, level two, intermediate, level three, advanced? Is that how you broke it down? Absolutely. Level one is all capsules. It's three products, the movement formula, which is a non-laxative, non-habit-depending product that will actually move your bowels. It's the drawing formula we just talked about, and it's vitamin O green, which is health force flagship overall nutrition product. It's an actual, real, hardcore therapeutic-based cleanse rather than just a, we need to have a cleanse. <laughs> right, like the, the $30, you know, get, you take this for 30 days and you'll be cleansed. Um, right, I mean, no way. <laughs> now, now, let's talk about, let's say, I'm, you know, I'm looking at a cleanse right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit fearful. Let's say I'm just brand new. I've been eating bologna sandwiches my whole life and glazed potato chips and Fritos and ice cream and Ben and & Jerry's and the whole thing, and I, I'm concerned about detoxification. I'm concerned what's going to happen when, when I stir things up, like headaches, dizziness, fatigue, body aches, yes. night sweats, all that. What advice do you have for people who know the benefits of a cleanse yet still procrastinate because they're concerned about the detox roller coaster? I, I love that question. I have a good amount of information to share on that. That's one of the reasons I came in with a level one, level two, and level three cleanse, and the kind of health food store type cleanses, most of them that you find, I'll compare it to my level one, is like a level anywhere 0.2 to 0.5. It's, you know, it's half or less. Just start with a health force level one cleanse. It's not going to put you into cleansing and detox. It's designed to be easier and gentle. You can do that level one cleanse for 14 days. If you want to power it out over a weekend, you can actually do it in three days, and you'll have minimum side effects because you're just not doing it for that long. Um, then you can move up to level two and then move up to level three. Do not start. If you're the person you just described, Dave, do not start with a health force level three cleanse unless you have some serious health challenge and you're really robust and you're really willing to go for it because you might go into a, a cleansing reaction. Now, other things I want to make sure I answer your question to do is make sure you amp up your detoxification pathways. Things to do that is rebound, meaning jumping on a small mini round trampoline five minutes, three times a day. It's amazing for your circulation and to get your lymphatic system moving. That'll help you to detoxify better. If you take the Health Force Level 1 cleanse and add liver cleansing herbs to it, like milk thistle seed, like dandelion, like artichoke, or like the Health Force Liver Rescue 4 product is designed for that, that's going to help your liver process these poisons better so you'll have less detoxification reactions. Also using a chi machine, and for those listeners who don't know what that is, something you can get them online, you, they're called, called aerobic chi exercises. You put your ankles in them. You lay on the ground. It goes back and forth in a swinging motion. It's also amazing for your lymphatic system and your kidneys, which are an organ of detoxification. And when the 15-minute session is done, it costs maybe three to $500, you literally feel a whoosh of energy coming up all from your, the base of your spine all the way up to your head. And this is not a, an esoteric, new-agey, fluffy whoosh. This is a physiological sensation that you feel that feels amazing. And I've known people that have been on kidney dialysis, and between chiing and rebounding and some other dietary changes, they've been able to get off of that. Now, I don't guarantee that will happen to anyone else, but these are powerful detoxification uh, systems. Also, I think it's going to give you some aerobic exercise that is also going to increase your circulation. Even if you just 
up, get up and down as fast as you can. Like get on the floor, get up, get on the floor, get up, or jump up and down for 60 seconds. You're going to be winded or just shadow box in front of, whether you're a man or a woman, in front of a mirror just for 60 seconds and move yourself around and jump up and down until you're winded. The circulation that happens from that is amazing. That's going to help you to detox. And you talked about night sweats. Make yourself sweat in advance. Give your body every opportunity to do this by actually sweating out in the sun or going in a sauna. The heat and the sweating are incredibly detoxifying. And if you don't sweat enough on a cleanse, your body will actually start making you sweat whether at night or other times. Um, also, some mild spices, mild to strong spices, depending on the person, be it uh, chili pepper, cayenne peppers, ginger, other things, those will actually increase your circulation and lessen the detoxification effect. It won't suppress detoxification. It'll just make you more efficient so you have less of the symptoms. James, I remember a story that you told years ago. You just brought up the cayenne pepper. And I remember you, you, I mean, you are a serious researcher into this, this whole detox business. And, and you found out about cayenne pepper, how powerful it could be. I believe yes. it's Victoris Kolvinskis. That's correct. Can you tell us that story? That is a wild story. Sure, I'll try to be brief on it. Uh, Victoris Kolvinskis is one of the, the, the sacred grandfathers of the raw foods and holistic health movement. This is a long time, probably 18 years ago. He said, he's from Lithuania, so he actually goes, take as much cayenne pepper as you can stand. It's going to be good for circulation. So my guard, Victoria, told me twice this when I looked at it. And I looked at Victoria, he'd look in my eyes and look at my tongue and he'd poke around my body for spots that hurt. I'm like, okay, Victoria told me this and I read about it, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I started taking a teaspoon, maybe a quarter teaspoon of cayenne at a time and drinking it down with water. And boy, was it hot. Veggie caps didn't exist back then. And there was a time at which I had a, a couple tablespoons. I said, you know, I was with my brother and I thought, you know, what if I just took a couple of tablespoons? Victoria said, as much as you can say, I can take it, bring it on, I can handle it, you know? And he said, no way. I'm like, yeah. Like, and so I just, I just went ahead. I went from like a quarter teaspoon to a teaspoon to a couple tablespoons, and a tablespoon three times. So I drank this down, and it was like, it was just unbelievably hot. My eyes were watering. My, 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 my scalp was itching. Everything was, was, my scalp was sweating. I was like, oh, my God. And I had to process, you know, for, for a, you know, 36 days. Like, oh, my God, I finally got it down. I can't believe it. So I got it down, and my brother went upstairs and started listening to stereo kind of loud, and I, I just was downstairs reading a book, doing something. Probably 30 seconds after he left, I started feeling this burning, searing, deep pain that was ramping up very fast in my whole gastrointestinal system. I said, oh, this hurts, and probably 20 seconds later, I thought, oh, my God, this is probably the cayenne. I was getting weaker and weaker and dizzy. So I went over to the sink, and I drank. I don't even remember if it was if it was distilled or anything water. I think it was just tap water because I was so, so thirsty. I drank as much water as I could, figuring I was going to dilute the cayenne. I know now that I should have done it with oil, but I didn't know back then. So I drank as much water as I possibly could to the point where my guts were, my my stomach was distended. And then it didn't work. Then I got on the ground because I was in so much pain and agony. And then I thought, well, maybe I can puke. And finally I made it to the bathroom and I was, I was just literally in agony and I I thought I was going to die. And I, I, I called up for my brother Help! And he thought he told me to shut up. He thought I was telling me to tell him to turn his stereo down. And I was only to eke out one more help, and he didn't really hear me. So I'm on the floor there, laying there, literally writhing back and forth on my back, praying to God. I figured I was going. I thought I was going to digest my stomach contents. My hydrochloric acid was going to go and digest every single other organ in my body, and I was going to die in a pile of di- digested mush right there. And it was agonizing. Finally, my brother came down. Oh my God, where are you? And he had to force me, force feed me to drink more water because I was too weak to do it on my own. He forced more water down my throat, 
which caused me to, within, you know, probably 60 seconds, to violently vomit and violently have diarrhea at the same time. That cayenne that I took a few minutes earlier was coming out the other end at that same time, and I just purged from both directions all this cayenne. Wow. That is such a story. And that, that's the story of, I think, most people who get started on this, and they just want to get things done right away. You know, he said to do this, I, I better do it. Um, and obviously now, you know, you've, you've tempered your approach down. I'm, you know, we've learned lessons as I have. When we get down to, you know, the individual organs and we start thinking about, okay, maybe I'm going to do a liver cleanse or kidney cleanse or whatever, that, that temperament that you have, that, that ability to temper your excessive behavior, you know, for each person that's out there yes. is, is, I believe, critical, isn't it? So let's talk about that, you know, when you, when you want to cleanse. Like, how do you know, you know, if it's too much? I'll give you what, what I do personally. Obviously, what I did, cayenne is an unbelievably powerful natural medicinal substance but it was in too much of a quantity there. I don't want people to think that cayenne is an unbelievable for you, but you can't do something stupid like I do, but you never really know. It's hard to figure out what is pushing the envelope or what is breaking the envelope until you exceed it. So I'm kind of a, I have an excessive personality, so I kind of learn by pain in some ways. But let's talk about some of the detox things. If you're night sweating, if you have aches and pains, um, dizziness, other stuff, personally, I, I love that in a cleanse. I'm just like, bring it on. If I'm sweating tonight, I want to sweat more. I want to just like, I am cleansing. I am detoxing. Flu-like symptoms, body aches. I say those are no issues. Now, you don't want to have things like headaches. Um, doing the things I talked about can help to eliminate all these other symptoms. But if someone with a headache, because that's not a, that's not, there's nothing beneficial about a headache. It's just one of those consequences that sometimes happens from detox. But if you don't detoxify, you're probably going to continue to have headaches on a regular basis. And I've known so many people that have gone through intensive cleanses, had a few headaches, then they went away, and then they don't have headaches for a few weeks or a few months. They go back to their regular crappy diet and lifestyle, and then the headaches just come back. But if you had a headache that was so bad that you couldn't go on a cleanse or detox, and you had to take either a natural, which is far better, an herbal pain reliever, or even a regular pain reliever to help you deal with your headache, you're better off taking that and doing the cleanse and not doing anything at all. And then maybe the next cleanse, you won't have to do that, and you can just do it without that. And I think I got a little bit far afield from your question, Dave. Could you react to it, please? It's good, good, very good information. It's, it, you know, we're all coming out of a very toxic situation. We don't really realize how toxic we are. We don't realize the amount of chemicals that we dumped into the environment that we're in. And I think you're very clear on that. Most of that ends up in our liver, doesn't it? So, yes. you know, we have already a high stress on our liver, and that's part of the detox as well, and that's just something we need to look after. What are your top protocols, say your top five protocols for optimal liver functioning, and, and what, what are the top five things you would avoid to maintain a healthy liver? All right, I'll try to give you five-ish or five-ish categories. And liver health is absolutely critical. It totally feeds into all of this, which is why I consider um, I've got – three foundational products. One is vitamin O green, one is vitamin O earth, and the third is liver rescue because if your liver, if your liver is healthy, so many other parts of your body are healthy. It is your lifeline. One of, the, one of the things that I think is critically important for liver health is to eat either entirely, yes, in this case, everyone can do this, a whole food diet. Now, I'm not talking about, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't necessarily pertaining to animal products or veganism or this or that. Whatever diet you're on, Make sure it's whole food. Don't do processed and refined food. So, for example, uh, a Chips Ahoy cookie is not a whole food. A cookie you can get at the health food store with 
whole grain flour versus white flour with, let's say, agave nectar is a lot better than a cookie with white sugar and white flour. It's closer towards whole foods. But I'm talking about not even having any of the cookies. I'm talking about just doing things like nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables, grains, root vegetables, all those things. These are actual whole foods, not processed at all. You can do things like juice and blender creations, other stuff, actual whole foods. If people would just eat all whole foods, huge, huge difference. That means you're shopping in the bulk section of stores and eating all whole foods. Second thing I, I recommend is a vegan diet, not a vegan diet where you're eating white sugar, white flour, hydrogenated oil. That's a junk diet that, that, is, that is ethical. That's an ethical junk food diet, but it's still crap for you. I'm talking about whole foods or as close as you can get to these things, whole foods and vegan. Also, organic. Pesticides are poisonous. They're poisonous. There's not a single chemical pesticide that actually is not harmful to your liver and kidneys. Every single one of them is. They kill things. They kill biological. They kill biology, and they kill part of your biology every time you consume them. These things are the, the cause of so much sickness and malady and birth defects and so many other things right as we speak, ever since they were invented 50 or 60 years ago. They're horrible. So organic, whatever you're eating, make it organic. There's also some foods you can eat. And there's so many different natural whole plant foods we don't even know all of them, and I couldn't even name them all right now. And by all means, Dave, you can add to this list, but there's some that are really, really well known to support the liver. One of them is artichokes, and I'm talking about the globe green artichokes, which those are actually very difficult to do raw. You almost really need to cook those to get any value out of them. Those are magnificent for you. Dandelions, which, which grow in most people's yards, both the greens and the roots, and the roots more so, are phenomenal for protecting and helping the liver to regenerate and you can just pull them out, and you can juice the entire plant, including the flower. The whole thing is edible. Magnificent for you, especially if you pick it fresh. You can get this as a supplement also, the dandelion greens, the dandelion roots. Also, wild thistles. For those of you who know how to identify wild weeds, and if you don't, be careful because there are some plants out there that will kill you, but thistles grow so much as weeds, and I pick them all of my property, and I have a wild green juice at least once a day. They're magnificent for you. Milk thistle is the, the most renowned of the thistles, and specifically the seeds. And milk thistle seed, there's an extract that's made out of it, but the seeds themselves are extremely liver supportive. But an extract of it is so powerful that there's been several cases where people have been poisoned by poisonous mushrooms that otherwise cause death, and they have survived it because they had enough milk thistle seed extract in their diet, in their system. It's unbelievably powerful to both protect and regenerate the liver. The liver is the only organ that can actually, well, there's only, the only organ that's supposed to, others actually can, but it's harder they can actually regrow. It can actually regenerate. It's unbelievable in its, in its capacity to regrow and to heal. It's constantly wanting to heal. And milk thistle seed and the extract can really have a huge positive effect on doing that. All greens in general are good. And other things like rosemary, grape leaves that have similar effects, uh, similar compounds to the milk thistle, turmeric, uh, shizandra berry, reishi mushroom, blue parum root. There's so many different things that are phenomenal for your liver. You can just eat as foods. Um, I've got a product called Liver Rescue 4 Plus, which combines several of these extracts. And it's phenomenal for helping the liver to cleanse and regenerate just on a regular foundational basis. I remember when your first liver rescue came out, you're already at number at the fourth edition of it. Is that right? Yes. Fourth, working on the fifth always. You're fantastic. That's a great product. The thing is about milk thistle seed extract and the liver rescue product is as far as ORAC values, it is about uh, milk thistle seed extract has about 6,700 ORAC value, which is extraordinarily high. To give you a frame of reference, pomegranates are about 400. This is 6,700. But it has far more antioxidant power than that because 
There's other more powerful antioxidants that are metabolic antioxidant enzymes. Some of them are superoxide dismutase and glutathione peroxidase, and your liver makes those much more powerful than the ORAC enzymes. They're both important. These are more powerful, and there's very little bit of those materials, the SOD and the glutathione peroxidase, in milk thistle or milk thistle seed extract. But just by taking it, it makes your liver healthier, and now your liver can make much more of those metabolic antioxidant enzymes, which are even more powerful antioxidants. So it's a double antioxidant benefit, just amazingly beneficial. Other things that people do for liver health is a liver gallbladder flush, which we might not have time to go into here, but it involves uh, no oil for three days, lots of uh, malic acid from apples or pears or their juices, and then usually about a half a cup of oil on the night of day three, and you, you purge your liver and gallbladder. Something not for the meek that you probably need some instructions on, but I've done it, and it can be beneficial. Yeah, kind of a violent procedure sometimes, though. Yeah, it's really, really need to do it in, in a group. I, I've really found that when you have somebody who's very skilled, thinking my friend Dr. Stuart Blakey, he's, he's done over 70 liver cleanses, most of them with groups. Yeah. When you have someone like that who's that skilled, it's a, it's a much easier process. That's how I do them now, is just with a group like that. Yes, I agree. Things to avoid. I got five things to avoid. Okay. Pesticides of all kinds. We kind of talked about with uh, organic. Nobody wants pesticides in the food. It's only the companies that make the pesticides that actually want them on their food. Nobody else I've ever met in the world wants these unless they have a specific, clear financial interest and their morals are low. They're horrible. All of them are liver toxic. All of them. You don't want to eat overly refined and processed foods, which is kind of the opposite of the other. Eat whole foods. Um, I also suggest people avoiding animal products because animal products, when you eat a food, like we're an animal and we go ahead and if you eat 20 pounds of carrots that have pesticides on them, you're going to be concentrating the pesticides from those 20 pounds of carrots in your body and in your system. And then when someone eats you, they're going to eat a good portion of that 20 pounds. Now, some of that's been processed out by your liver, but things bioaccumulate in, human, in, in any biological creature, not in plants, but in animals. And when you will be eating a massive dose of poisons when you consume an animal, even if the animal is eaten healthy and organic, that's a lot better, but you're still consuming their metabolic waste that their liver, their kidneys, their bowels, and their lungs were going to eliminate, and they're being added to your metabolic waste. I also recommend avoiding all GMO products. Now, when I say avoid all GMO products, a lot of people say, okay, you mean don't eat any soy or corn? I did not say that. I said don't eat any GMO things. In fact, if you want to speak out against GMOs, the best way to do that, if you eat these things in your diet, is support organic corn and organic soybeans. And I'm not talking about soybean extracts or isolated soy protein. I'm talking about actual whole uh, soy products, things like to uh, tempeh, miso, um, good soy, so that are organic, because that will send a message to commercial soybeans. We want organic, not commercial. The thing that Monsanto would love the best is for everyone into, into not having GMOs is to stop consuming all corn products and stop consuming all soy products because we're the ones that are going to favor the organic, and then the organic market for those things will vanish, and they'll be the only thing left. That would be bad. But you didn't have to eat those. Just avoid anything that's genetically modified. It's like a prescription drug or worse. This stuff is deadly. And also, avoid all drugs, whether they be prescription, over-the-counter, or recreational. Just because something is a plant, let's say certain uh, medicinal mushrooms or other stuff, and I have no judgment over someone who chooses to use some of the hallucinogenic plants whatsoever, absolutely no judgment, but know that you're doing something that is definitely damaging to your liver, and the fact that it came from a plant doesn't help a whole lot. Just avoid those. Okay, so let, let's, let's keep going around here because obviously in the toxic situation we're, we're in, there's, there's a lot of interest in colon cleansing, there's a lot of interest in liver cleansing, 
But the biggest thing is really it's all about the thyroid right now. In light of the environmental catastrophe that has occurred in Fukushima and the health implications that this disaster will cause with respect to our overall health, what are you doing personally to protect yourself from the nuclear fallout that's wafting over from Fukushima, what do you recommend is done? What, what do you have to say about the thyroid in, in the midst of all this stuff? Sure. I'd be happy to address that. It's a very important thing. And I want to let everybody know that if you live a healing lifestyle on a regular basis, when crises come up like this, you pretty much don't have to change what you're doing very much. And if you do have to change a lot, you should think to yourself, well, I'm probably not doing everything I can on a regular basis if I have to change a lot. Let me tell you what I suggest people do, and I was doing almost all this already. Um, the green superfoods, specifically chlorella and spirulina, are unbelievably helpful for protecting from and removing radioactivity from the body. Chlorella gets a lot of valid press on that, and it's extraordinarily beneficial for removing radioactivity. But spirulina is every bit as beneficial as, as chlorella is at protecting from and removing radioactivity. They are both amazing allergies for that. Um, and I suggest consuming, uh, you know, good quantities of those between the two of them, four tablespoons a day or so. Now, Klamath Lake blue-green algae has not been studied specifically for radiation, but I have a feeling it's probably just as good as those two, but we don't have any data on that. Something else that's also extraordinarily powerful for removing radiation is sodium alginate. Sodium alginate comes from kelp and comes from other seaweeds, but it's very high in kelp. It's also good for colon cleansing. And that brings us to eating kelp because kelp has other benefits. Kelp is so high in minerals, to my knowledge, even when you take the sodium out, kelp is the highest mineral actual food in the world. All biologically compatible, organically bound minerals, phenomenal for you. For example, the iron in kelp has no toxicity. None of the minerals in, in, in kelp have toxicity like they would in the form of an animal product or in the form of an isolated supplement. Plus, kelp is also the highest in naturally occurring iodine. If you take too much iodine, now iodine is one of the things that's radioactive that gets released from nuclear plants, especially when they melt down. And it's extraordinarily toxic because the, most of the iodine in your body goes to your thyroid, which is why this radioactive iodine can destroy the thyroid and your metabolism is off, everything is off in your body, and it's just a hard, hard challenge to recover from, but you can recover from it. If you have enough organic iodine, and I'm not talking about like iodine solution, which is better. Let's talk about levels. You're better off having inorganic iodine that's not radioactive that has some toxicity for sure. All inorganic iodine definitely has a toxicity. You're better off having that, up, having your thyroid uptake that, and then your thyroid is full of iodine than you are having it uptake inorganic radioactive iodine by far. But if you take too much of it, you can start to poison your thyroid, and you can start to poison your body from having too much inorganic iodine. Kelp and all seaweeds have no toxicity from the iodine as long as they're in their whole natural form. You can make them in powders. You can dry them, but we're not extracting it from them. Kelp is the highest in iodine, and you should just be busting kelp in your, in your diet. You can, the thinner leaves you can soak, um, and you can actually make like kelp tacos out of them, put a bunch of raw vegetables, avocado, tomato, other things in as a sandwich. The thicker type leaves you can soak in water and then throw them into a smoothie or some sort of salad or blender creation because you got to blend them up because they're so tough. If you're doing some whole food cooked foods, you can take that same kelp, that really thick stem of the kelp, put it in with your, with your let's say, with legumes, and it's an incredible digestive aid to those legumes. It does something to that gas-producingness of the legumes before they're sprouted and cooked, and it really makes them good. And you can do kelp that way or just sprinkle kelp on your salads. Other seaweeds are also very high in iodine, and I do seaweed every day in the form of uh, vitamin green and earth, but also in one of those things we talked about, and or I'll take things like dulse, which you can eat 
straight. Just I just rinse it with water, soak it a little bit to get the water off, the, excuse me, the salt off, throw it in a salad, throw it in with whatever else you're eating. You can do the same thing with arame, uh, hijiki, um, so many different other seaweeds. Every day have seaweed. And people sometimes say, I hate seaweed. It tastes so fishy. There's a few seaweeds out there, that, none of which that I just named, that taste disgusting. No matter what you do, you can soak them, you can rinse them. It's just like, oh, this tastes like putrid stuff. Don't eat those. Don't throw their baby out with the bathwater. I've taken kelp, for example, and given it to people when it's been soaked and rinsed. And like, I don't even know what this is, but this just tastes neutral. I've done the same thing with dull. If you rinse and soak all that fishiness off of it, and now it's just this neutral tasting, unbelievably kick-ass, unbelievably nutritious, detoxifying food. Huge to do. And easy. Relatively inexpensive. And it's fun. The different seaweeds every night. Uh, hijiki and arame are kind of like little noodles and little spaghetti. Um, I even made a recipe uh, a long time ago in uncooking called macarame and cheese. And it's like uh, this tahini sauce with this macarame. And it's like cheese. It's just awesome. And you're doing it under the guise of detoxing. There, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there, James, who, who are unsure of how bad the fallout is coming over from Fukushima into California, Oregon, Washington State all over North America. I mean, there was radioactive rain that came all the way to St. Louis, the last I saw, and, and they're even saying some on the East Coast now. Um, this is obviously becoming a bigger and bigger issue in our, in our field, you know, in the health field. What would you say, like, how, what, what do you feel is the urgency of taking action by taking the chlorella and the spirulina and the iodine and the kelp and everything you can take um, where where are we at a level of urgency? Zero, we don't care. Ten is like you get on it immediately. It's super high level of danger. Warning, Will Robinson. I'd say we're probably on eight, but okay. I think we were on eight beforehand because I was already doing this beforehand because we're getting actually more radiation from cell phones and Wi-Fi and all these towers than we're getting from the Fukushima disaster, but that's, that's, that's like brought attention to things. They're both really bad. So you really need to be honest. You've got so many things coming at you from so, so many different directions. I, the reason I only say it's eight is like we could have had a, uh, we could have had a disaster right, um, where I live in San Diego. And I, I don't know if you still live here, Dave. Uh, you know, there's, there's one, you know, 60 miles from me, this nuclear reactor. That would be like a level 10 plus. That's why the only reason I called it eight. In, in Japan, it's 10. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's some it's distance with us. Unbelievable crisis. Wow. So any other protocols? Now, you've got, like, out of your yes. products, let's say Vitamineral Green, Vitamineral Earth, any of the other ones that you have out there, your spirulina, every goodie that you got, what would you say out of all those is the, is the best for, for the nuclear fallout? And then what, what should we be kind of looking at beyond the suggestions that you've already made? Sure. I'd be happy to make that. Um, the Vitamineral Green has uh, spirulina, chlorella. It has so many different things. It has several seaweeds, and it is your foundational package that I think is the most important thing you can take as far as like a superfood powder to do. Um, what I do is I actually take about two or three tablespoons of it a day, and I add another tablespoon or two of spirulina, sometimes more, because sometimes I'll make a spirulina salad later on in the day with some flax oil, some spirulina, some gluten-free tamari, some other things, and it's really, really good. Um, the chlorella, what I do with that, and I've upped this a bit since the disaster, is I throw chlorella tabs in my salad or in other things. And it's like a really great, put them in in advance and throw some other watery vegetables on and it, it softens them up a little bit. It adds a really nice crunch. And it's a, it's a super high protein, super detoxifying meal. Um, the earth product also has a lot of seaweed and iodine and other herbs that we haven't really talked about that are phenomenal for thyroid and other health. Um, other things that, that, that free radicals create 
are, excuse me, that uh, radiation creates is free radicals. So that brings us back to the thistles and the milk thistle, the milk thistle seed. Um, turmeric is also great for that. And the liver rescue product is phenomenal as a protocol to help deal with the after effects, the free radical effects. Where the iodine is going to deal with the absorption in the thyroid, but the thyroid only. You need all these other foods. And something else that's extraordinarily powerful to, to remove radiation is zeolite. And zeolite is a, a, a rock powder, a very special rock powder that absorbs heavy metals and radioactivity tremendously. In fact, at the uh, last nuclear disaster, Chernobyl disaster in Russia, they actually brought a bunch of zeolite in to the area. And in, right around that area, they gave zeolite cookies. They made cookies and they put zeolite in them to get everyone to eat them. And it had a huge effect at protecting people's thyroids and their entire body from the effects of radiation. It was almost a magical transformation with the, with the people that got these zeolite cookies. And the thing is, they continued this process, and these zeolite cookies and the zeolite itself to make the cookies from was stored right nearby, right where all the radiation was. So even though it was in the presence of radiation, you consumed it, and it still pulled more out of you. It didn't release it into you. So zeolite is an amazing protocol, and I've, 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 I've already... Great. You have a great zeolite product. Do you have it in as a powder? you have it in capsules? Are you going to be creating a bulk product? Are you changing that product in any way in light of this Fukushima disaster? What's happening with that product in particular? We actually have it in bulk. Uh, we'll bulk up a large glass jar, and also we have it in capsules. And we are going to be offering it probably in uh, one- and five-pound bags pretty soon, just so people can get more of it. And the reason I do a powdered zeolite is all zeolite, liquid or powder, starts out as a powder. The powder is ground very, very finely, and then a little bit of it is suspended in water, and a certain amount of it stays suspended in the water, and the rest of it sinks. What sinks in the water is then added to more zeolite liquid. And when you do this, you have to add to a glass of water just a pinch of zeolite, literally a pinch of powdered zeolite to it, and then that's how you make the liquid zeolite. And there's some other process that the people employ, and I don't mean to rank on someone's product or whatever, because each, each person has their own opinion of how it's best to do. Some people clean their cage of zeolite. Other people don't. I actually think cleaning it may destroy the zeolite cage. So the reason I have it in powder is it's already at five micron size, which is about the size of a red blood cell. There's that. There's a, some that are small. There's some that are bigger, which means this zeolite powder is already so small. As soon as you put it in water, as soon as you put it in your mouth, it's dissolving. You can get both in the bloodstream and some of it stays in the colon. So you can be pulling radioactivity and heavy metals from all over your body. It's the best way I know how to do it. Zeolite compared to some other ingredients is relatively inexpensive. And I could make a zeolite liquid. I can make any nutritional product I want, but I choose not to because in my opinion and my research shows that it's extremely dilute. And there's been no question that there's been a lot of positive response from those liquid zeolites. But you can magnify that literally thousands of times by getting a properly micronized, properly sized, clean zeolite to begin with. Fantastic. And you can save thousands and thousands of dollars per month. Right, exactly, <laughs> because there is a lot in your product, and, and yeah, your product is, is a fin it's my favorite of the zeolite powders that's out there on the market. So, so thanks for coordinating that, making that happen. Um, let's, You're let's jump. Let's let's jump forward here. You're thanks. going to be. Um, a featured speaker at our upcoming Longevity Now conference, and that's going to be held Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California, here in this, this year in 2011. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what you'll be covering during your presentation? 
Sure. I think I haven't, uh, we haven't figured out exactly that, but some of the things we've talked about is one of them is natural protocols for cancer. And there is some, this is something that I'm extraordinarily passionate about because I feel sorry. I truly feel so sorry. And I, I feel pain for people that are regular people. Let's say people that don't, the good people, good people who is most of the world, they don't know what they're doing. They're just living their life normally. They have a life. And they get cancer. They don't know what to do. Like, oh, my God, I do, my doctor tells me I, take, I do radiation, I do chemotherapy, I eat jello, I eat crap or whatever. I don't do all these things. And I just suffer and die. And that's what most people have happens to them. But there is another way. And I have, I know of tens of thousands of people who have overcome cancer naturally. And I've had the privilege of meeting thousands of them and being able to work with a lot of them. But the thing is, and you can do this with natural medicine, which you can't do with toxic regular I won't call it traditional medicine. I'll call it modern medicine. However, there's many more tens of thousands of people who have attempted to do things in a natural way who have not overcome cancer, who have died from it. And I like to look not only at successes, but also at failures. Okay, of this, on a regular program, regular medical program, one of these people may have survived out of 10. On this holistic program, let's say 50 survived. And on some other program, 70 survived out of 100. We're getting better, but what about the 50 or 30 on those different programs who didn't survive? How can we get them to survive? So I want to give people information that's going to empower them maximally to have the best possible chances of survival and actually healing themselves from, deadly, from a deadly disease such as cancer. And I'm not, I am not saying that I have information that's going to cure someone cancer that's legal, neither legal nor ethical, but I've come across and be, been blessed to come across and focused on finding out information and protocols to really empower people to do that. And when someone has cancer, it is an all-out campaign. You're either pretty much in it or you're going to get taken out by it. It's really a very serious. And doing all the things we're talking about, all these health things, is extraordinarily helpful in preventing this. But I've seen too many people already into holistic health and already into raw foods and other stuff actually get cancer, and some of whom have died of it because there's so many other factors in our life that are contributing to it, you need to be extra vigilant. One of the things that's contributing to it is electromagnetic radiation, not only from the wires in a house, from overhead power lines, but also in our modern era from cell phones, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and microwaves. These things are deadly, and any wireless device is so unbelievably deadly, and I'll have some, some equipment and other stuff at the longevity showing how deadly these things are and how we can, what we can do to mitigate and protect ourselves from them. All, that's all great. Dr. Sherdy, you're and that, amazing. Thank, thank you so thank much you. for everything that you're doing. There's so many people out there that I have met over the years who appreciate your products, who appreciate what Health Force is offering, who appreciate the great service that they get from your company. Um, I, but I can't let you go until I ask you one last thing. Sure. And this is a hot topic this week. Um, a new movie was debuted online called What in the World Are They Spraying, which addresses the subject of chemtrails. So yeah. real quickly, based on your own research on this topic, and this might be something you discuss at the Longevity Conference September 30 through October 2nd in, in this year, what insights do you have to share about what we can do about chemtrails to protect ourselves? Everything we talked about as far as radiation protection, everything in there is going to help to deal with the adverse effects of chemtrails. It's, when you heal one area of your body holistically, you can't do that. You heal everything at the same time. As long as you have a truly holistic program, all those protocols are absolutely critical. And for those who don't know who chemtrails are, they're, I know you don't have to say we don't have a lot of time left. They're, they're, they're 
emissions coming out from jets that are not contrails, are not the the normal fumes that you have coming out of a plane. They're things that are actually being sprayed in our environment, high in aluminum, high in barium, high in other things. And there's not a question of whether they exist anymore. The, the, the fact is they do exist, and anyone can see them who looks up at the sky long enough and hard enough. You'll just watch to see these grids in the sky. And um, it's something that's a, a big issue. And because the government has denied that they even exist, the uh, air traffic controllers won't talk about it. Obviously, then it leads to all sorts of conspiracy theories, and everything's fair game since, since we're told they don't exist. My wife actually made a seven-minute film on chemtrails that talks about all the various issues in a condensed form. Um, so, and I've, I've, so I've been immersed in that for quite some time. It's a real, it's a real big issue. And, and just for those of us who are listening right now who don't even believe in chemtrails, even contrails are a massive environmental catastrophe from the research I've been doing just on contrails, let alone chemtrails. So some, something to think about. We're going to get deeper into it. What in the world of this spring is debuted this week, so it may be a film that you want to see. I want to thank you, Dr. Jameis Sheridan, for being with me today. You are an outstanding researcher and probably one of the leading people in the world in formulating products. Your products lead the field, and we want to also uh, appreciate all the generous products that you've donated to our groups over the years. Um, we're going to be donating a lot more at the event coming up this this September 30th through Sunday, um, October 2nd at the Orange County Hilton at our Longevity Now conference. So with, with no further ado, do you have any last-minute comments for our listeners? Just health is critically important, and just do everything you can within reason to make yourself live a healthy life. I am privileged that I know things about holistic health, and I, I get to live healthier. I get to feel healthier. To me, it's not a burden having to do things healthily. It's a privilege. Life is more fun. It's more juicy. It's just, it's a better life living this way. And I encourage everyone to, whatever version of, of that is for you, just keep expanding and growing on it to be healthier and happier. Well said. Thank you so much. I'm David Avocado Wolf signing off. Everybody have the best day ever. This program was brought to you by thebestdayever.com. Thanks for listening.